Hi, it's Sade. Hi, it's Rolake. And welcome to the third episode of the Other Side of the Atlantic podcast. Welcome, guys. Shadi, how was your week? My week was good. Um, it's been a trying past few weeks just because of all of the things that's been going on um, in the U.S. around uh, George Floyd's death. Uh, but I've been seeing some really um, positive things coming out of the news and the media. Um, and these companies that pledge to make uh, differences are actually taking action. Um, so it's really good to see that Amazing. people aren't just yeah, giving lip service. Um, even my company alone um, has been putting out a lot of good statements and um, action plans. Um, so yeah, so that's been good, even despite all the things that are coming out of the White House. Uh, it seems like America at large is really uh, ready to confront some of these things that have been um, systematic in the U.S. Um, and then also just the areas beginning to open up. So we're still kind of officially in this weird uh, quarantine phase, but not really. Um, so while DC, yeah. yeah, while DC is pretty much locked down, um, still some restaurants are able to open up. Um, oh, and, nice! Yeah, so it's been nice just going out and um, just walking. Weather's been great, so it's been it's, oh, so good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been nice to get some fresh air and some some warm weather, and actually also be able to go out and meet with people. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah, so, so good. Yes. How was your week? Oh, and how was your day? You have to update us. Oh, yeah. So my week was good. So I'm definitely in the acceptance phase of lockdown now. So, yeah, just getting used to being, you know, indoors and just making the most of it. So um, work was good, pretty productive. I have a new boss. Um, and I got out walking my dog uh, most days last week. So that was nice. Um, yeah, you've been a total grandmother that. when it comes to this uh, quarantine. Like, you chastise me every time I tell you that I'm going out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I look at my mom. So I have zero option but not to get sick, right? So I'm, yeah. like, very, like, super careful. Um, but, yeah, I still go on my daily walks, which has been nice. Um, and I finally did my hair for the first time in uh, two and a half months. So I got some braids done. Um, they look amazing. The house. Thank you. Um, and wore a mask, and I wore my mask, and I was a bit freaked out, but I really needed to do my hair. So I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling good, feeling like I'm looking better, so feeling better. And my eyebrows are healing from the um, eyebrow um, shading, so that's also been nice. Good, good, good. And your date? Oh yeah, yeah. So my date was good. So since last time, I've actually uh, met up with him twice. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, he's, he's really chilled. Um, yeah, it was weird though, because we met up yesterday and, um, everywhere is closed in Lagos. So the only way we could meet up somewhere was through a friend who's the editor of Lost in Lagos. She gave me a couple of numbers for some restaurants and she was like, although officially they're closed, if you ask nicely, they may let you come in. <laughs> so I called this one restaurant and they were like, okay, you can come, but only if you pretend to be our family or friends if the police show up. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, they did. So it was so nice because there were only like there was only us and then another table in this restaurant that's normally packed full of like 60 people. And then we had to walk through a disinfecting room first and they spray you. Oh, with wow. 
yeah, and we had to wear a mask, but it was actually, it was really nice to leave the house, and he's a really nice guy, um, yeah, he's, he's nice, so I'm enjoying it. He's yeah, French, I'm, I'm excited. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. Yeah. I'm ex- so I had excited. to speak French the whole thing. That was the only bad part because it was exhausting. Oh, but that's good. Your French is going to get amazing. <laughs> it is. Free classes. <laughs> free classes. Free classes. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that he's pretty handsome. So. <laughs> he is. He's a good guy. That's good. So your date leads us into the perfect segue for um, this week's episode. So this week we're going to be talking about all things dating um but not the so great side of dating (laughs) um but the horrible side of it so we're going to be telling you our horrible dating experiences um horror stories um so we're both going to share longer stories in the beginning um and then two lighter um not so dramatic or traumatic stories about dates that we've gone on um with guys um but before we get into that, we're actually going to go into our what I'm section and let you know what, what we've been buying, watching, reading, and following on the news in the past week. Um, but Rebecca is actually going to tell us what our wild card uh, is for this week. Yeah, so our wild card this week is closing out the um, systemic racism section of last week. So um, we got lots of messages and phone calls through the last week, and it's been really, really, really like moving like speaking to different people. I've had phone calls from close friends, from school, um, from exes, um, just kind of identifying with the stories or sharing their own stories. And, you know, non-Black people also sharing some things they weren't aware of. So we wanted to take um, the opportunity to, you know, share some more experiences, close out our thoughts on how to heal from racism, because we didn't have much time to do that. Um, and then also, um, yeah, just... Um, give a, give ourselves a chance to um, speak a bit in a bit more detail about the things we've personally been through and people around us as well. And there's a bit of a common theme today, which is racism um, that um, I and my friends have faced whilst at um, boarding school in the UK, um, so specifically at um, Cheltenham Ladies. Um, so yeah, we'll be getting into that a bit later and shaking the table a bit. Mm-hmm. Very excited to hear your experiences. Um, so without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to our What I'm section. We'll be telling you about what we've been up to this week, what we've been reading, watching, listening to. Um, Shade, why don't you start? What have you been watching in the last week? So, you know, I love my Nollywood movies. <laughs> and shout out yes. to Netflix and Amazon Prime for, you know, continuing to upload very good and sometimes not so good movies. <laughs> um, but this week, I did, <laughs> yeah. um, this week, I did watch a really good movie um, featuring one of my, two of my favorite Nigerian um, actresses. So the movie is called Light in the Dark. Um, it's on Netflix. It stars Vita Dominic, um, which is a really great Nigerian actress, um, one of my favorites, Joke Silver, and Ngazu Umwasu. Um, who I absolutely love. She is in Skinny Girl in Transit and she is a firecracker. Um, so I love it. So short synopsis of the movie. Um, it is about a uh, woman, uh, Rita, Rita Dominic, um, and a man who meets when they're in their 20s. Um, she plays a Yoruba woman and he plays an evil man. And you have a little bit of aspects of tribalism. It's not the main part of the story. Um, but there is aspects of tribalism. Neither of their families want them to marry outside of their tribe. Um, they end okay. up moving, yeah, they end up moving to Lagos. 
Um, they do very well in their careers. Um, they have a child. She's trying to have a second one. And in the midst of all of this, they get robbed. Are they yet telling us the whole story? Well, no, I'm want- not. I'm not. So I don't think it's a spoiler. I don't think it's a spoiler if okay, okay. in the first, uh, like, 30 minutes. Oh, no, it's not. It's yeah. not. Okay. Keep so, us then. So they get robbed. Um, and the movie is really uh, about, so they, really about um, what happens, what transpires after them getting robbed in their home. That homes. sounds so good. It is. It's a movie that you'd like, yeah, it's it's not like any other Nollywood movie that you've seen before, or very few. Um, it's really deep. Um, and it, there's a lot of emotional trauma, physical trauma. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I think I like that. Nice. Yeah. Great acting, um, great storytelling, great plot. There is some Nigerian aspects, like there's kind of some hmm moments. <laughs> but <laughs> great, great movie uh, nonetheless. Um, so what have you been watching? Nice. Uh, so I've been watching um, a show on Netflix called The Sinner. So it's actually on Netflix. Season, season one is on Netflix and season two and three are on Apple TV. Um, and once again, it's a show that my mom found. My mom finds the best shows, um, um, especially if they're thrillers or like Nordic Noirs, anything hard and gritty. My mom knows all the best shows. So she does. thank you to her because mm-hmm. this show I watched actually all I, I watched seven episodes in one night. Wow. I think it was Saturday night. <laughs> I watched seven episodes. I didn't sleep till four. And then the next day I watched uh, the final episode. And yeah, it was so gripping. So it follows um, a detective, um, a police officer in uh, like he, in a suburb outside New York. And mm-hmm. he's investigating the murder of um, a guy who was on the beach, sunbathing, having fun with his girlfriend. And then this woman who's also... Um, on the beach sitting near him and she's there with her husband and her two-year-old toddler and it's like this very picturesque nice scene this is how it starts like very nice happy American family scene and then the woman gets up and she just stabs um the guy (laughs) yes she just stabs him to death like I had to shut my eyes like sounds like a fast stabbing (laughs) exactly um and the yeah, and the whole series just investigates why this happened. And I'm not going to say much more, but it's really a psychological thriller. It goes back in time. It unearths the woman's story, what's happened in her past. Um, so I won't say too much because it's one of those films or shows that really unearths every single detail. And it's plot twist after plot twist. Mm. Very, very, very well done. Good acting. Um tough watching at times but um, I really recommend it. it sounds good. So what have you yeah what have you been listening to you're always giving me good music. Yeah so I recently discovered a new artist um her name is Tiana Major she's a British R&B audit, artist um and I've been listening to her song song with Earth Gang he's an American R&B artist um so the song is called Collide, and it's really good. It's nice and, like, smooth R&B. It kind of reminds me of Jill Scott or Marsha Ambrose of Flowetry. It's, like, very smooth. Oh, nice. I, I love um, British R&B artists, um, and she's young, but I can already talk Is she British? Her. She is. She's Black British. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, so I can already tell she's going to have a great um, career. Her music is amazing. So the song is called Collide, and it's featuring Earth Gang. Oh, so nice. Yeah. I'm off to YouTube it right now. So I know you nice. haven't been listening to anything, but you've been reading stuff. <laughs> That's my gospel music. I'm going to become a music person one day, I swear. Yeah. But um, yeah, I be... <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm on a bit of a hiatus with uh, reading. I haven't read anything. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I'm not reading any novels in the last week. I've kind of had a lot of information overload um, with, you know, the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, so I've I've not had the headspace to get into a new book. I did start a book a couple of weeks ago called Kintu mm-hmm. by Jennifer Makumbi, but I, I'll t- talk about that another day when I'm further into it. I haven't been able to get very far, but um, I would, however, like to talk about my gratefulness journal again, um, because that's the one book that I do pick up every day. And it's just giving me so much structure and um, how do I put it? It helps me frame my days in a peaceful calm way because I'm the sort of person who normally gets out of bed and just goes 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 and yeah since I'm using this gratefulness journal it's helped me to start my day like on my own pace and at my own speed um so I wanted to recommend it and share with people the name so people could look it up because last time I mentioned it I didn't share the name so it's called the six minute journal and it's by Dominic Spence um and I did I talked about it already last week but you basically have one page per day and it encourages you to write for three minutes in the morning and three minutes in the evening on what you're grateful for, how you're going to make the day a great day, how your day went and what was great about it, and also a positive affirmation that you're going to focus on through the day. And I've been doing that um, after um, a five-minute um, uh, prayer session in the mornings, and it's just really ground me and helping me start my day off well. It sounds um, so intentional. Yeah. I like it. It's setting your intentions, intentions um, before your your day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, what I've been reading. Oh, and I did actually just want to mention. Someone messaged me after the last podcast asking for the article name that I mentioned, um, and it, the article was by Afwa Hirsch, and it's called um, "The Racism of George Floyd in the U.S." started in Britain so anyone can look that up on the Guardian so um Shadi tell us what have you been following in the last week yeah so we have a slightly new section of the what I'm and it's we're going to talk about in the section things that we've been kind of paying attention to in the press um in the media um and what I've been following um are articles about um so if you've seen in the news uh, recently, there's been a lot of white media heads um, of magazines uh, that have been called yes. out. For, yeah, that have been called out for their past racism. So the two that I'm going to mention about time. Yeah. So the two, <laughs> the two I'm going to mention are um, are public uh, editors of two magazines and websites that I read literally all the time. So the first one is Christine Barbaric. Um, she is the global editor of Refinery29 and I love Refinery29. I go on the website, their YouTube channel, their Instagram. I'm all over it. So um, when I heard... Um, I love the, it too. Yeah. When I, heard I, love, the, I love all that stuff. When I heard over the past few weeks or past week or so about all these Black content creators um, sharing stories on Twitter about microaggressions from white female management, um, 
about how they were paid less than their white counterparts and the lack of leadership in um, black leadership um, on in the management of Refinery 29 was really heartbreaking. Yeah, wow. because, yeah because this is a, a website that I am a frequent visitor of, subscriber to, share articles all the time. And, and they it, have so much content. They do. They have a lot of content and they have a lot of black content. I've always felt like their black content wasn't so authentic. I felt like it was viewed, it was mm. written from white eyes or white appeasing eyes. Um, and it, mm. I, I also felt like their feminism was a very white view of fem- white female view of feminism. So it wasn't really hard for me to kind of jump on the bad ra- bandwagon and believe them because I've been kind of saying this for a while. Um, so mm-hmm. it was very heartbreaking. Um, so Christine did resign as their global editor in charge, and they've um, uh, they've laid out some some um, steps to kind of correct for their past behavior, but I'm going to keep on them. I'm going to follow what they do. Um, if they want me back as a subscriber, um, they're going to need to change a lot of things institutionally. So um, that is one story. And another story is of um, editor in charge of Bon Appetit, a magazine that I literally subscribe to. It gets delivered to my house all over their YouTube channel. And apparently um, Adam Rappaport, who was the editor in charge, um, he and his wife dressed up as Puerto Ricans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. But you would be surprised that if you saw the picture, they managed to work it out. So they basically had so insulting. Yeah, those of us uh, who know Puerto Ricans, grew up on the East Coast, know like you know, unfortunately, like there's they took certain characteristics that Latin women, Latin ex women have, um, and they uh, I guess try to emulate it. Um, and um, so they posted a picture so of them, awful. yeah, with do rags and like you know those bamboo earrings that like you know us black girls or us you know girls of color grew up wearing. Um, and they posted a picture. Wow. Yeah, she actually has a post p- picture posted on her Instagram since 2013. And I guess someone discovered it recently. Um, and well, what um, was the? Do you know what the party theme was? I'm wondering what sort of fancy dress theme made them feel it was okay to dress up as another ethnic minority. So it was so, and I'm not trying to apologize for it, but it was an old picture. So it's from 20 2002, and it was a Halloween party. But the wife felt that yes, maybe if it was today, and we're saying that okay, 18 years ago, they didn't know, but she literally posted it on her Instagram in 2013. So kind of how yeah. much, you know, so it's kind of hard to argue that maybe time taught them better when she just posted on Instagram. Nah, yeah, so a lot of stuff, yeah, so to wrap it up, a lot of stuff came out um, about him mistreating Black coworkers, about them not having Black content or ethnic content. So I do get the magazine and they, they do have some like, you know, Korean, like ethnic foods and stuff like that. But one of the biggest, I guess, uh, grievances was that black content creators weren't, weren't um, paid for their YouTube videos. So Bon Appetit has a YouTube channel that is extremely popular that I subscribe to where they recreate food or they just kind of, um, they cook different foods. And apparently um, one, there's very few black or people of color content creators. And those who were on the YouTube channels actually didn't get paid for their content. So as a result of all of this stuff, um, he actually uh, resigned um, on Monday, I believe. So that's what I've been following. That's what I've been following. Um, Really just to close up this section, 
just don't support those who, who support don't um support those who don't support you right so all these magazines mm-hmm. all these media uh websites that i take interest in that i share articles and then i find out that they do these backhand things with black women or people of color um they don't get my support anymore they don't get my dollars they don't get my views they don't get my shares so yeah, i love that that's all i have to nice say. yeah what have you been following we yeah, so you know me, I don't, you know, read as much news as you. I actually stay away from the news. <laughs> um, but um, I couldn't help but um, start delving into um, the killings that have been happening in Nigeria um, in the last two weeks, um, specifically focused on um, uh, uh, rapes, rapes and murders of women, sadly. So the same like, week as George Floyd was killed, um, there was a um, 16-year-old girl killed in Benin City when she was actually at church. She went alone to pray, and she was raped and killed. And then wow. there was also, yeah, uh, um, a girl, Tina Zekwe. I think she was about 12. She was at a bus stop when some in Lagos when some policemen got trigger happy mm-hmm. and fired by mistake or something, and she was killed. Um, and then, you know, alongside that, there were also um, some incidents in the north. So I believe in Jigawa, there was another um, young girl who was also raped and killed. Um, and, you know, with all the George Floyd happenings and, you know, black people um, clubbing together and raising our voices, like just being in Nigeria, like, you know, there's been a lot of chat here that, you know, we need to raise our voices for our own um, people and People are stepping out and doing stuff, so I, um, I'm really pleased about that. Um, and, yeah, I want to find out more and figure out how I can help because it's just crazy in this day and time. Like, the number of cases is too much to be overlooking it. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to, yeah, figure out people who are doing stuff. And, yeah, of course, we can't take on every battle, but this is very close to home. And um, it's Democracy Day today. It's June 12th in Nigeria, so... And I just feel it's quite timely that people are having these discussions now. Um, and uh, yeah, social media is really focused on these discussions. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I've been also following those stories as well. Um, the the young woman who got murdered um, in, raped and murdered in the church, uh, really just personally just hurt. Obviously like anyone who gets raped or murdered anywhere, but in a sacred place like a church, um, just really mm-hmm. sad and I've, and I've liked Very how painful. even President Buhari has spoken up the governor of Edo State and a lot of um, powerful men um, and women have spoken up um, and that's really not something that we're used to seeing so I hope that the right person um, the person responsible is found because in Nigeria unfortunately we like to just hastily accuse people and uh, <laughs> and um, yeah 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 so I just hope the right person is found and I hope that um, the conversations start um, start happening and we start explaining to our boys um, why this behavior is wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is it for um, for our what's ironing section. Um, so we are going to go into our main topic next. Uh, but before that, we're going to take a little break. So welcome back. Uh, our main topic for this week is dating horror stories. Um, so we're each going to share two uh, stories. Uh, the first 
the the first two stories that we sh we share will be a bit longer, and then we'll have some shorter, um, not so traumatic or dramatic stories, um, but stories that will sound <laughs> funny, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, but before we do that, we actually want to share some dating statistics. So we found some really interesting statistics uh, on dating, and in particular, online dating. Um, this is for this is for the U.S. Um, but we thought they were really relevant, so we wanted to share them with you. Yeah, so I'll get into the first statistic. And I think, you know, for both of us dating in our late 20s, early 30s, so I still believe I'm in my late 20s. <laughs> These I'm in my early 20s. I, was, I believe I'm early in my 20s. 20s. Yeah, I was told, I've been told that I look like I'm like 22, 23. So I'm, I'm internally. Uh, well, like I've been told the same. Okay, well done, well done. Me, I've been told I look 26. That's my best so far. <laughs> But um, yeah, so these stats kind of resonate to how the dating game has changed. And, you know, it's just a different world of dating right now. So the first statistic is that 40% of people in America use dating apps. That's 52% of all men and 48% of women, which is crazy. Which is good for us. <laughs> if we like it's apps, not like yeah, me, I don't like yeah. apps. I haven't used apps in a while, but, you know, if I do and when I do, there's going to be tons more. Very money. true. Yeah. So it's good. That. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 53% uh, of people lie on their dating profiles. <laughs> uh, I think that's probably a, a lot. I think those who did the survey probably lied that they didn't lie. It's <laughs> so probably, probably much higher. Um, so, yes, uh, the most common lies are height and weight, um, age, uh, job slash income so interesting yeah. I, I definitely met a guy who said he was much taller um not much <laughs> taller but he was at least he was at least like three or four inches shorter than we shorter. but there's so much yeah. pressure and for guys apparently there are a lot of girls with these apps that as soon as they see your height is not a certain uh height they just they won't even click on you but i think there's a lot of pressure on both sides to be hyper you know sexualized and tall and beautiful so there's a lot of pressure. There is, but I'm going to be more mad that you lied when I see you in person. <laughs> like, so at least cool. be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my next one is only 33% of women who use online dating websites say they have sex on the first online dating encounter. And 60% of female Tinder users say they are looking for a match, not just a hookup. Yeah. And Tinder is not the place if you're looking for a match. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> mm -hmm. So 43% yeah. uh, of singles have Googled someone on the internet before a first date. Have you ever done that, Monica? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I Google people I'm still dating. Google, Google, Google. <laughs> I do that about I do that about half the time, but I'm always like I'm always scared um that like as to what I'm gonna find. Um yeah, well, I don't know. Well, better so, you find like, it online than in your life. It's true. It's true. But I've never Googled someone and found anything horrible. So I guess, yeah. yeah. Not like what I'm going to share in the horror story. Not like your story, um, which completely threw yeah. me for a loop. So <laughs> maybe we should yeah. recommend Googling people because yeah. you will find things that... Oh, and you know what? I had a friend who also Googled someone and found out that the guy that they were dating was having a baby shower. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no,
Yeah, so and she literally told me that like God told her to Google him. Like and she she's known him for a long time, but so she said that God told her to put his name into Google yeah, and she found out yes. that he was one so she been praying a few months before that, you know? And, so God yeah. has intervened. He intervened though. So yeah, Google Google oh, partners, cool. prospective partners. Yeah. <laughs> so um so my So my last what sorry, go on. Oh, sorry, it's your fact. I'm sorry, you're right. Okay, so 48% of breakups in online relationships occur through email. Uh, horrible, evil, terrible. Interesting. See, I, I've, in my experience, I feel like I've had communications via email after we've broken up. Not, I've never broken up or gotten broken up. By email. By yeah. email. It's like, yeah, email is a safe is- space, I think. But yeah, hmm, yeah. interesting. Crazy. So that are the uh, yeah, that are the impacts that we have. Uh, we hope you find them very interesting. We found them interesting when we uh, looked them up. So the first story is going to be well, like a story. She's going to share a very uh, interesting story um, about a man that she met um, that had a very uh, busy, <laughs> busy <Anita>. life. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me just go straight in. Yeah, so this story, this happened to me uh, five, six years ago when I first moved back to Nigeria from the UK and I was all bright eyed and excited about um, meeting my Nigerian husband and settling down. And I came back to Lagos. So, you know, you know, coming back from London, I was pretty naive um, about the guys I was meeting and, you know, super open minded and yeah, kind of just open to people I was meeting. So there was this one guy who I had actually met when I'd come back home on holiday, like six months prior. I'd come on holiday from London and I met him in all, pla- of all places in SIP, which, which is a nightclub in VI. So I'd met him in SIP and he freaking took my number on the dance floor. And um, he was a banker. He was Ivorian from Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. Um, I remember like, um, like he toasted me, he chatted me up on the dance floor like French and he was on my coast and he gave me his business card which is a pet hate so that should have been a sign from the very first time I met him he gave me his business card just to show off that he was you know like this super senior guy at this large bank so I'm not going to mention banks but a very large bank across West Africa he was like the head of strategy or something so anyway so that was like a few months before I'd actually moved home and when I moved home somehow we started talking and he like got in touch and we started hanging out. And so this guy, like, you know, he wasn't like really, really my type. He was like, you know, medium, shortish height, not that fine or anything. But I was just like, he was really <laughs> sweet. He was very charming. He had the Frenchy thing going. At this point, I was not afraid of Frenchy francophones. Um, but now I am. But um, at this point, I was like, <laughs> I really, now I stay away from them, even so it's odd that this guy... I've, you know, a date on today's uh, Frenchy francophone. But anyways, um, so yeah, so we started hanging out. And like literally, I think from the first time we hung out, he was extremely intense, um, like telling me how he wanted to settle down, telling me how, um, you know, just compliment after compliment. Like, you know, he hasn't met anyone like me. Um, like we went for dinner that I remember the first time we went for dinner, we went for drinks in VI and then, um, yeah, he was just very intense. And then, um, like I remember a few days after was my birthday, which happened to be his birthday. 
So wow. it's really weird. I know. It's very, very weird. But Shadi, I've always dated guys who are born around my birthday. It's very strange. <laughs> been like two or three who have not been born on my birthday. And if we're talking about like seven guys, you know, let's say even like eight guys. Like one was born the day before me. One was the day after. Wow. Um, one was like after it's very strange so when he was like it's your birthday i was like ah it's a sign it must be a sign mm-hmm. so and then also there were other weird random things like um i had just gotten a beautiful bracelet from monica venada which is this jewelry company and i'd um engraved on it um in london that year that i moved back to lagos i engraved all these you know motivational things like you know faith strength the bible verse and then i also engraved um the word mariposa which is butterfly in spanish because it was my year of rebirth starting a new starting so a thank like you <laughs> thank you and he had a ring and said you will not believe it on the inside of his ring he had engraved papillon which is french for butterfly so we uh-huh. were so I was like, it is a mega mega sign <laughs> it was your husband though no. <laughs> was my husband this is my husband in french in french and spanish <laughs> yes Plus, those are like my two favorite words in both languages. I have this silly, Aww. stupid thing that for some reason I like that word. And so I was like, it's a sign. So he came over to my house on my birthday. Oh, no, it was a few days before my birthday. Sorry, I made a mistake. He came over a few days before. He cooked me breakfast, like, you know, this like yummy, like breakfast. He got all this like nice, fresh, like salmon and seafood, which in Lagos is very hard to find. Yes, and so then, um, very expensive. Yeah, I'm very expensive. And then a few days later, he sent me cupcakes on my birthday. So I was like, this is the guy, this is the guy. So I was then gisting my cousin. Yeah, Tosta. So this is, this is, this is where the story changes. But I was now gisting my cousin. Like, oh my goodness, can you believe it? I've met this guy. I'm only just back in Lagos a few weeks. I'm so lucky, blah, blah, blah. And I tell, I'm gisting her and I tell her his name. And um, it's my cousin Shalewa. And she's like, wait, what? Kakom? wait what is that the name and I was like yes and she's like okay hold on please and she literally she like texts her friend um and she's like is Pakom this guy that you're telling me about and basically (laughs) my cousin's friend had dated him like a year prior Mm. and my cousin's friend had found out that the guy was married not just Mm. married married twice he was divorced (laughs) he had two wives okay so he wasn't First wife was so he divorced. Two wives. Yes, he only had one current wife. Okay. He was from the okay. first, and he had a freaking child. So that's how I found out. So I I called him up and I was like, "Uh, this is what I've heard. Is it you?" And I was like in denial. I was like, "It's not him. It's not him. It's a different platform. It's a common name." <laughs> it was, it was basically yeah, because there's so many, there's so many, uh, so many, so many coat of arms uh, in in Nigeria right? in Lagos, right? I know, Lagos, I yeah. know, nonsense. So yeah, so he, and the worst thing was how he responded. He was like, uh, yeah, yes, and I told, yeah, he was, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah, and there had been a a little boy I'd seen a picture of on his phone, and he was like. Yeah, I remember you asked me who this guy was, who this boy was, and I told you, da, 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 da. he just made something up. I was like, no, you never did. And he basically was like, no shame. He was like, yeah, I have a wife, so what? I want to make you my uh, second wife. Yeah, Shari uh, was like, I want to be my second wife. He, he was like, he wasn't even apologetic. He was like, I, I told you I want to marry you. I want you to be my second wife. Uh, uh, so that, yes, yes, fini, fini. So that is where the story ended, as fast as it began. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. awful, hilarious and awful. 
yeah so yeah that's yeah it's, I, to, to be honest the, the, unfortunately yours is one of many um <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, and, and the guy's not even Nigerian, but I guess he he came to Nigeria and adapted to the ways of some Nigerian men. Um, Tell me about it. But yeah, was his wife in Nigeria or was she? In no, Nigeria? no, she was in Ivory Coast, so he could hide and live yeah. two lives he very could, happy. Yeah. yeah, very easily. So Shade, why don't you tell us about your story? So my story is um, basically <laughs> takes into account of the very real uh, saying that you shouldn't shit where you eat. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about getting involved with coworkers. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so my story. So I, I'm actually now able to tell this story and laugh because before I was like, do you remember when I called you a lucky and I was like in tears crying? Ha. Ha <laughs> this, no, this story ain't no joke. It's this not a, a joke. joke. It's not a joke, but now I can like look back and be like, oh my God, like, yeah, it's now it's funny to me because I'm just like, did that really happen? So <clears throat> my story yeah. starts, my story starts um, in a cafeteria at work. Um, I'm sitting with this girl um, and uh, this guy walks by and this girl introduces um, me to the guy and uh, the guy says, oh, Shade, you're Nigerian. And I said, ah, yes. And he's like, oh, I am too. So I said, okay. Like, yeah. Um, so then he's like, I am. This is in your office in DC. So just so I can picture the scene. Yes, it's my office uh, in here in, uh, in the DC area. Because <laughs> okay. my office is in, in oh, DC. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's in the DC area. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I said, oh, okay. And then he IMs me uh, like maybe a day or two later. Um, we start chit-chatting and it's really innocent and fine. And he's like, I still kind of maintain that he is not a terrible person. I think that as the situation kind of brought him to respond the way he did. Um, but we start mm-hmm. chatting. It's, it's innocently, um, like we were friends, like, right? And then... Um, like we started kind of like talking, but I wasn't really serious with him because so I the reason I wasn't really serious with him was that one thing I, one of the things that I didn't like was that like he was Nigerian. He actually was born and raised in Nigeria in Nigeria. He ended up coming to the US in his early twenties, but he was like so anti-Nigerian. Um I, I'm not sure like if you like met any Nigerian people in your past that are just kind of like and I know a few. Um but who like, are very anti-Nigerian. Yeah. I have, I have, I have. And, and I immediately and like, think, Ugh. Exactly. <laughs> and I know, yeah. like, his, he hadn't been back to Nigeria since he left, and he hadn't seen his father, um, who was still Nigeria since he left. And I'm like, come on, you haven't seen your wow. father. I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of like, people like that kind of always rub me the wrong way. Um, and I understand mm-hmm. everyone has their own different experiences. And I also understand that, like, I am, I am also privileged, um, in the way that like I kind of was raised in Nigeria so I have no like bad memories or like you know things happen in yeah past, right um so so that kind of, I was kind of like mm, that was a kind of a, a sign and a turn off but it was just yeah so we kind of we started talking um like nothing serious kind of really innocently um and um <laughs> one day <clears throat> 
Um, okay, so one day I uh, go to Houston. So like fast forward, we're like friends, kind of talking, nothing serious. Um, and one of the things that really got me to uh, really like him is that he was just a really genuinely nice person. And he really <laughs> thought about the small things. I recall one time we went to, um, so like one, I really love interior designing. Um, and we went to Crate and Barrel one day to like, I think he had just moved into a new apartment. Um, and he went mm-hmm. to decorate, yeah, he went to decorate. Um, and I was like, oh, let's go. You know, I can help you decorate. We went to Crate and Barrel. And I was looking at this, um, this, uh, this bowl. It was, it was a noodle bowl and it had, like, it was a porcelain noodle bowl and it had these like wood chopsticks. It was so beautiful. And I was looking at it and I was like, I don't really need it. Like, cause I have more than enough um, plates mm-hmm. and whatever. So we were looking at it and I walked away um, and he, I walked to the other side of the store and then he was at the register and I was like, what did you buy? And he's like, oh, I just bought some things. And I was like, tell me. Um, he's like, oh, I just bought some things. So we got in his car um, and he told me to open the bag and he actually bought the porcelain noodle bowl that I was looking at for me. Aww. Yeah, so I was kind of, it's That's just so a small sweet. thing. Yeah, but like, it was, it was just a small thing. Um, so yeah, so I remember, so where it kind of all went to a head was I went to, um, I went to Houston to visit a friend um, and he picked me up from the airport. So we get in his car um, and, I, and I did really miss him. So I know when I was in Houston, I wasn't trying. Okay, so this is a big part of the story. So when I was in Houston, I really wasn't trying to text him a whole bunch um, because uh, the friend that I was in Houston with, she was like telling me not to even talk to this guy that like he um, he wasn't really serious. So I actually also didn't even want to like have her like see me like texting him all the time. And then also we didn't work together. So we didn't work in the same building. We worked for the same company, um, not in the same building and definitely not in the same department. So I didn't see him um, at work, but I felt like I talked to him all the time and we were together. So I'm just kind of like, we need some space, right? So I did not talk mm-hmm. to him while I was in Houston often. And yeah. Kind of, so how many then, days were you away for? I think maybe about four five it wasn't a lot. okay it was over july 4th weekend so it may have been like three four days max because i only get like a day off for july 4th right and i may have added another day to my vacation so it was like four days max um but i did talk to him i just didn't talk to him often um so yeah so then um he picks me up we go to his place i leave and this is very important i leave my suitcase in his car um and then he drops me off a few hours later um at my apartment because I'm just kind of like I need like you know to wash my clothes and just kind of like lay in my own bed and be by myself (laughs) so he drops me off at mine um the next day I get to work and I get a call from a from my front desk um and my front desk patches me into a person and I hear on the phone, hi, this, and so, this is so-and-so's fiance. I'm like, this is, and so-and-so is the person, uh, my coworker. I'm like, what? And she's like, ah. Oh, what? Yes. Yeah, so, what? Fiance. Yes. yes. So, hey. so she basically tells me that I, <laughs> he's been cheating on, um, on uh, hit her, but that she, it's not my fault. But she wants to tell me so I can stop seeing him, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, my God. So the reason why I say it's important that, that I mentioned that I had my, um, that I, I had my uh, luggage in the car. So they, uh, they shared a child 
Um, and uh, he did you had, know he had a I did, I did. But I, I don't really date guys with kids because I just don't want that drama. And this is exactly why. Um, but I wasn't really like, we were just kind okay, of Okay, so like, at least he was honest that he oh, had he a child. Honest. He was honest, yeah. Like, and even like he, like, <laughs> he wasn't he, honest because he had a freaking fiance. No, but he, at least he was. No, no, no. He, he actually, he was actually honest. He, that wasn't his fiance. They had broken up. Like they, like they weren't even living together. Like she had her own place. So they they had broken up. She she still did have the key to his car because um she would take the car seat from his car sometimes. So she okay. like they were, they weren't. So he was actually. Didn't, didn't lie about that. He didn't lie about being with her. He wasn't with her. She just didn't want to break up. Okay. She, she didn't want them to break up. So um, okay. she, she... Sorry, one another question. Was she Nigerian? She wasn't Nigerian, or but I, she was African, another African. I will tell exactly uh, what where she was from later on. Um, so she... Um, so she ended up the day I came back from Houston, she knew where he lived because it's like, that's the mother of his child. They had a child together. Um, and like, he's not going to hide where he lives because that's like, you know, the mother of his child. So she ended up going into his car, breaking into his car while we were at his apartment, saw my luggage and found my name, Googled me. Googled, yeah. So Googled where what? I was and that's how she called the office. Oh God! So, I, so it's actually she, all coming back to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's she's crazy. She broke it. So. Freaking, uh, yeah. So sorry. Um, so I I call him and I'm like at work at this time and I can't even say anything because we have an open working space. There's no there's no like, um, it's, it's an open working space and I'm like sitting next to my boss and she's saying this. So I can't. All I said was you have the wrong number and hung up. Right. So then I go into the telephone room and I call him immediately and I'm like. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, she just called the office, blah, blah, blah. And then he tells me, like, he's like, um, like, meet me, you know, off site or whatever. I met up with him. He says, I didn't want to tell you this, but she's actually been like complaining that she knows who you are to me and been like trying to Google you. And I've been telling her to stop it or he's going to get the police involved. Um, wait, wait, wait. She's been complaining. She's what been com- complaining that she knows who you are. What, that- what, what does it? does it concern her because she's crazy so she's been he told me that she's been googling she's been googling me and he actually like threatened her he like didn't want to get the lawyers involved but he was like that like she thinks that because they have a child together that, she, that he's basically like she owns him he's like, no yeah um he's gonna get a proper um like child um arrangements in court like whatever they wanted to do it outside the court so i did i like he was not seeing her like she clearly was off her rocker like they lived in separate separate places i would stay over his apartment i there was no sign like you know <clears throat> he was for that part actually kind, kind of honest um so, mm-hmm. so then that happened and she bothered she stopped bothering me um um and I just can't believe she got your number from your yeah. suitcase. She's well, she got crazy. my name. She got my name, and then she, oh, she got your name. Yeah, so she called and the then company. She knew she where you were. She did, yeah, and then oh. she called the she called the office. Like what the yeah. So she, I didn't hear from her for a while, and then randomly I am at home. I mean, I'm at work, and my mom texts me, and she's like, "Who is so and so?" And I'm like, "Uh, this is my coworker." And I hadn't told my mom what was going on. Um, with the whole situation, because I wasn't really sure about him yet. And she's like, oh, because so-and-so's, let's call him Kay, Kay's, um, Kay's uh, baby mama, or what have you. Ex, 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 this is like a movie now. Just called me. I was like, what? 
No. And I am at work while this happens. So I can't even express myself. So again, I go into our cell, cell phone room and I later found out that the cell phone room is actually not even that secure in terms of like the volume. So I'm sure people have heard my conversations in the cell phone booth. Oh, so my, mom, my mom calls me and tells me that she again um, Googled me some more, was doing some research and found my parents because I, I lived at my parents' house. Um, like even after I left college. So like, if you probably dig hard enough, you'll probably think that's my address. Even though my parents live like four, four states over. They don't even live in DC. They live four states over from me. She calls them and my mom records the whole conversation because she's like, this woman is crazy. She calls and speaks to my mom for 35 minutes. Wow. My mom records. She says, oh, your daughter is sleeping with my ex-fiance. Now he's, he's her ex-fiance. That she's doing this, that t- telling like all these like lies and all these falsehoods. Wow. And, like, and, and yeah, so the, she, she ended up getting my information because this woman, I ended up finding like a lot of things. So first of all, she was from, she was from Cameroon. Um, but, okay. she, but she actually had lived in Germany for a while. So she was actually a very, on paper, a very smart woman she was fluent in german fluent in french um fluent in uh, like a lot of different languages um and so so then um so then she uh so then my mom records the message and my mom was like this this uh this girl sounds really crazy that i think you should go to the police and i'm like obviously i'm going to the police now and i later found out that she actually worked as a government contractor so she was actually like had a very good job with this government contractor was making tons of money was making tons of money was this you know really smart chick and she was and at this point i actually found out so the, the k actually also lied about his age i thought he was so i was 28 29 at this point um, and he told me he was 35. So I ended up finding mm-hmm. out, I ended up finding out on that phone call that my mom recorded that he was actually 41. Oh my gosh. Why so, did which crazy is, which guys lie? Because that French guy I talked about, um, Ivorian guy, he lied that he was 35 because I was yeah. about 28 at the time. And he was actually 42. <laughs> and it's like, and it's, and it's just like that extra seven years would have like, made the difference for me if I would have known so exactly. I, yeah so I basically I had it and I'm like I have to go to the police and I'm like first of all I'm so upset so you like, actually I, felt afraid to I take it to the police because the fact that this person who on paper had a great job you know had a baby Seems so professional these, and she is nuts and I'm like there's at this point she if she can find my parents number she can find where I live and kill me no, like to crazy. be honest to be honest so I'm like I'm so actually, yeah. before, like, a few weeks before this had happened, I actually stopped talking to Kay because I'm like, because I'm a, it wasn't really him. I knew it was her, but I'm just like, I just can't do any of this. So no, I, his yeah. whole drama is too much. It, it, it is related to him. Exactly. Yeah. So I hadn't even, like, I wasn't even talking to him, and I was texting him. I was like, oh, my and God. And he shouldn't have put you in that position. Exactly. You, I remember I was really, really upset Yeah. because he he exposed you and he put you in a very bad position. So he should have protected you and never let any of that happen. Absolutely. So I was like texting him. I was telling him what happened and he was ignoring me. He did not pick up my calls. And I actually ended up lying to my boss and said, I have, to, 
Yeah. Like I lied to my boss and I was like, I'm having an emergency. I have to leave. And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, uh, no, like I literally just end up leaving office at like 11 o'clock in the morning. I drove all, oh, no. the- yeah, I drove all the way to the police station in my town. Um, and <laughs> yeah, cause I'm like, I have to follow a police report because, and then also he's not, yeah. he's not helping me. She's calling my parents. So he, he just didn't answer. I'm very confused by him. He just did not answer your phone calls. No, cause he, he didn't like, answer. You were telling him what's going on. Yeah. He didn't answer cause he was mad at me. Cause he was like, Oh, did I stop talking to him? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is exactly why I stopped talking to you. Like what the hell? Oh yeah. This is another part of the story. Yeah. 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 Please no, share this part too. Yeah. Cause he was upset with you, right? Yeah. He was upset with me. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is exactly why I stopped. He's mad. So I ended up going to the police station and mind you, I'm like crying the whole way to, and like from my office to where I live is like oh, 30 God. miles. I'm crying the whole 30 miles. I get to the police station and I'm breaking down in tears and the police are like, what is going on? Like they felt like, God forbid I had been raped or something. And I'm like, someone is stalking me. <laughs> all, all, I, all I had was her number. And apparently I did not know this in the police station in the in the US if you, to file a police report. So I was gonna file like a, um, a, a, um, a restraining order. And you need to have her name. I only had her first name. I didn't have her last name. I didn't have any of this information. Um, so like in between all of this, my, like I, I was at the police station for like the longest time ever. They basically said that I can't file a restraining order without her information, right? That they just suggested that I, mm-hmm. that I talk to her and try to work things out. I'm like, you cannot work things out with this woman who's literally calling my parents, speaking to my mom for like, and oh, she- you talk to her your that stupid k should have been around absolutely. to solve this situation absolutely like it's just craziness but yeah i know for the police, from the police's perspective i get the advice they were giving you absolutely um, and because like she was used to doing like nigerians the whole the phone call she was like ah, yes ma you know ma we're just trying to look out for <gasps> our little Little sister now. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was just like, oh, my God. So I, like, was at the PlayStation. This was just, like, a mess of a day. So, um, I, I think I remember speaking yeah. to you that day. So I, the, yeah. So I, I, no, yeah. I literally, I think I came home. And then, like, my sister ended up calling me. because My parents called her and told her what happened. And she's like, what's going on? And, like, I told her. And I think I called you later. I remember I was, like, crying. And then yep. um, my sister ended up actually, because my sister um, has access to like databases uh, through her job where she's able to pull certain information. She ended up getting her- Useful. Yeah, getting her full name, her address, um, because the guy wouldn't give me any of this, her address and her work. Her work, and, and I realized that she was actually, she only like the, I didn't live in DC, I lived in Virginia at this time. Um, and I realized that her address her work address was like five minutes from my home address. So I'm like, worst comes to worst, I will just get the police to serve the warrants at her work address. If she wants to use her work in like her work database to find my parents, then they can serve her at the office. So, yeah. Like, so yeah. I did, yeah, so I did take the police's recommendation and I like ended up like getting like a, a Google number. Like, cause I'm like, I cannot give this girl my phone number. Cause she like was able to find all this information about me without even having my number. So I'm getting a, a fake Google number, texting her on that. We were texting back and forth and she was saying all this nonsense. And I basically told her, listen. Well, it's so unfair that you even had to engage I her. Did, so this I useless did. guy, we're so like useless. where on earth was he? Why so, did you have to engage a psychopath because of some guy you've been dating for 
just a couple of months, right? Exactly, you know exactly. So I ended up telling her, "I have your information. I know you work in Arlington. I I will send the police to your job to serve you the restraining order if you do not leave me and my family alone." And she basically stopped texting me after that because I guess that threat that threat worked. Um, come to come to find that this girl yeah. was making like six figures, big woman, big girl, big babe. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, was, and she was also. I think he was 41. She might have been 43. So I'm like 15 years younger than her. And like, in all fairness, I do understand. Yeah. I understand like, and I wasn't even seriously dating him. Um, but I do understand, like, I probably shouldn't even gotten myself involved in it anyway. Um, like, in the end. But how um, would you have known? I wouldn't have known. Uh, but in the end, Kay ended up. Did, uh, yeah, Kay ended up apologizing to me. Um, he was, and then he ended up giving me her information. He didn't realize I had it, so he did end up giving me her information. And he's then he, stupid. Why yeah. do you need her information? He manned up and sorted exactly. everything so out. He, he's just so one. he ended up telling me that the reason he didn't initially give me her information was that um, his son was there, and he didn't want like his son dragged into this. Yeah, which even have had to get dragged in either. Exactly. So um, yeah. So that was that, and I literally did not talk to him for like a long time after that. Um, and then like. So this was like some, this was some time in like the summer. I didn't talk to him for a while. And then I remember um, like in October, like we started talking as friends, uh, just purely as friends. And then I remember him saying that um, he, like I told, like, he said he wanted to apologize to my mom. Um, and my mom was actually coming over to visit me around October. It was like, I think Independence Day, she wanted to do something in Maryland. And he went to come over and apologize to her, and he basically never showed up. So this like shows you just kind of like the community. Uh-huh. But thank God I didn't, yeah. I didn't tell my mom that he was coming because like God forbid I would have told her, and then he didn't come, and that's another story. Um, but yeah, nobody so, wants to see. You. you should have sent a very nice present to your mom apologizing yeah. with a nice letter. But don't mind him. Don't mind him. But yeah, that like was my story, and it was like so dramatic. And then on top of that, like. Is the last thing I will say. Like she, so the reason, okay, so the reason also he didn't want to help me out when it originally happened was that she had him convinced that I was seeing someone else. So she basically said, "Ah, oh, this, this stupid girl that you know, you're so in love with, blah blah blah." You didn't know that she's dating someone. So the reason I the, the Houston story, and I remember, so, yeah, that so because because I didn't call him while I was in Houston, he thought I was actually going to Houston to see a guy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, she basically said that, oh, she found my. But he had zero evidence. He Please, this part of the me off the most. He yeah. thought you were there. He had no evidence. You told him you were hanging out with your girlfriend. Yeah. Why on earth would he believe his random ex-wife over what you're telling him? It's just, just well, all his, of it. His justification. His justification was that, oh, because I didn't call him and he always felt something was up. And then, like, she basically lied and she said that, oh, she found on Facebook that I had pictures of his boyfriend. I said, go and screenshot. I don't even have a Facebook, but go and screenshot this Facebook. Like, the girl was insane. And that's literally why he didn't help me out with the whole police situation, because he thought I had lied to him. And I'm just, and then he's like, oh, I always felt that because you didn't talk to me while I was in Houston. I'm like, God forbid that I actually spent four days away with you and not, like, talk to you every single day i'm like i i literally see you all the time away from him yeah yeah so, yeah. so that's literally what happened <sighs> like lesson freaking learned uh but literally don't shit where you eat <laughs> and thank and god good riddance to back rubbish good riddance to rubbish yeah and thank god like the, like the job wasn't involved in any way thank god um but yeah so that is my very dramatic story um yeah. Cray cray, cray cray. <laughs> now, now it's funny. Now it's 
back two years after it's a bit funny it's it's, it's so much it's funny now because i still can't believe it i'm like this like i was i was hysterical the day i literally had to take a sleep because i was just crying the whole day long i was like my eyes were red i had a headache because i'm like oh my god like what what happened so now i can look back on that um so yes that that is my very traumatic story um like, do you want to share a very light story? <laughs> Something that's yeah, much, much let's, funnier let's... and less less dramatic than my story. I'm not sure how funny, <laughs> but it's definitely lighter. Okay. okay. So a lighter story from me. Um, so I had two in mind. I had one of a Tinder date gone wrong. <laughs> so when I was living in Denmark, um, I had a pretty weird Tinder date, um, which caused me to never eat Tinder again. And then I have mm-hmm. another of this guy who I met in a wedding at a wedding in Lagos so I'm going to tell you more about the wedding in Lagos one but just briefly on the tinder one basically met this guy on tinder he told me he was going to take me to a restaurant uh at the pier so I was living in Aarhus the pier was this beautiful place by the water all these lovely restaurants and I get to the pier and he basically walks me past the restaurants and takes me to a small boat which I now thought was a restaurant (laughs) on the boat which now turned out to be his freaking house. <laughs> I remember the story. <laughs> he literally got the freaking Tinder date when you're already like, is this guy going to kill me? He wanted me to get into a boat that was his own boat, his home. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and which I obviously did the sensible thing and did get into the boat. <laughs> Can I just interrupt and say a yeah. thank you, a quick prayer to God for like, Protecting us I all the situations. Thank you, Jesus. All these stupid situations. I just even think back to when I was like a teenager, my early 20s, the type of yeah. stuff that I did. And God has saved me from each and every situation. So thank you, God, because <laughs> uh, uh, we were stupid. Oh, stupid behavior. Stupid. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't know. And I remember at the time when I got into his boat, I told him, I was like, look, I'm messaging my friend. I've sent her the geolocation pin on Google Maps. They do not hear from me in an hour. They know that you have killed me. Like, so I actually showed him my phone. And my friend Motti was coming in from London that night. So I literally had to go and pick her up from the train station. So I was literally like, let's pick up my friend. She's going to be waiting for me. So at least I had a get out clause in case he did try and kill me. But it was still stupid. But basically, long story short, there was no food. He had made me like snacks, crisps and nuts. He didn't cook even though he said it was dinner. I was like, <laughs> cheap ass, cheap ass. It was like, no food. And then he paid me this compliment, which was, you know, he's like this Danish, super blonde Danish, you know, as Scandinavian as you can get. And then he gave me this compliment, which was, oh, I just love your skin. I love it. It's so black. It's like, <laughs> it's like the sun is shining from it. That was a compliment he gave me that he thought was a deep ass. I could be so, so pleased. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, peace out. This was lovely. Bye. <laughs> um, so that was what I was not going to tell, but I've now told it. So I'm actually going to save the other story that I said I okay. would tell, which okay. is about this guy at a wedding that I ended up Googling him. So I'm going to save it for our dating horror stories part two, which yeah. will happen so, at some point. Yeah, that, so what's your yeah, like so my, my light dating story um, is back when I was in my early 20s. I'm not sure exactly um, how old I was, but I was definitely in my early 20s. Um, and I went out with this guy. First of all, it was I was not in, so I grew up um, 
in New Jersey. I wasn't in New Jersey. I actually ended up being in Maryland visiting some relatives. And I met this guy when I was out and about. Um, and uh, he asked my number and I gave it to him and I ended up going out with him like two or, two or three days later. And my aunt dropped me off um, at this place. So I didn't have a car, right? And this was before Uber. <laughs> Again, thank you guys oh, for saving us from these situations. So I did not have a car. Um, we were supposed to go to a movie and I think my aunt was supposed to pick me up. I'm not even sure what happened. Um, so we go into the movie theaters and then he tells me, he meets me in the front and then he tells me that, oh, he forgot his, his wallet in the car. And I'm like, um, okay. And he's like, let's just, let's just go to the car. So then he goes, we go to the car and he can't find his wallet somehow. Uh, and he's like, oh, let's just go to our, my house. And I'm like, ah, no, me, I'll pay. Uh-uh. <laughs> what uh, exactly so i'm like no don't worry i'll pay like I, I, don't, I don't think he was like clearly trying to get out of paying i just think he wanted me to go somewhere with him and i'm like no like was this, was I, this was he nigerian was he, he was nigerian he was nigerian okay. he was an Igbo man. man okay <laughs> so um yeah i was like no i'll pay so he saw the movie and then afterwards, um, I think he said he was going to take me home. And my aunt texted me and was like, hey, do you need me to pick you up? And I foolishly said no. And I was like, oh, he'll pick me up. And my aunt's like, my aunt's high-flying, like, business girl, like, babe. She's like, let a guy take you out and whatever. Um, so so, um, so he drops me off at my aunt's house. And, like, I, thank God, secretly put on the navigation on my phone as well, just in case he was not trying to take me to my aunt's house. Um, so I put the navigation on my phone. Um, and um, we drive to the house. And, like, thank God, like, he didn't take any detour or anything like that. Um, and we, like, get to my aunt's house. And then, like, he asked to come in and drink some water. And mind you, it's, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. And, like... I'm basically just trying to sneak in unannounced and I'm like um yeah there's no water in the house so I, I literally like run out of the car and go into the house and he drives off and he texts me when he gets home. like funny enough we did speak uh for a few years after that like once in a while I like text him when I told him I was going to Nigeria like he was a good guy it was a really nice guy but like just definitely yeah I'm not trying to go to your house uh on the first date especially because I don't have a car but yeah it was a, it was a pretty it was a pretty interesting story yeah Oh gosh. Oh my. So we wanted to quickly share some dating tips uh, <laughs> with you guys. Um, Malika, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start because I'm in the best place to share mm-hmm. dating tips being unmarried. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, you, date more. you date more. You should date more than married people, right? <laughs> I guess so. Let me share my own. So my tips on avoiding horror stories, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. will be go with your gut. So if you see some telltale signs early on, don't just push them aside. Be like, okay, this guy is giving me a business card with all this weird information. It's unnecessary. Why is he trying to impress me so much? Like ask questions and like, just go with your gut. If something seems off, it probably is. And my second tip is ask a lot of questions. Like when you first meet someone, don't assume things that they're not married and they don't have kids. Ask the basic questions, literally, unless your mother introduces you, you don't know anything about that person. So ask questions. And then the last tip I'll share is watch Love is Blind. If you haven't watched it, it's the best show. It's so entertaining. I love the show so much. It's on Netflix, Love is Blind. Um, It moved me so much. It's so funny. Um, But it's also like, I think it was like a pretty good example of how to ask questions really fast. So they meet. 
in these pods where they can't see each other on the show and they have to fall in love with someone without seeing them. And they basically do that by getting to know each other very quick by asking questions. So that's my second tip. So Shadi, what are your tips on dating? So I 100% agree with you on going with your gut. I think um, there's a lot of things that you uh, know that it's wrong and you just don't listen to your gut. And even when you pray, you don't listen to God. Yeah, listen to your gut and listen to God. Um, my, and also uh, be open and honest. I don't know, like we're we're too old now to be dating people who are just lying. Like, come on, like, yeah, yeah. For both women and men, like for women, be honest. And for men, be honest, like don't date if you're married, don't date. Like if you don't have any good intentions, like be open and honest and share your, um, your, um, yourself with, uh, potential partners. Um, and know what you're not, know what your non-negotiables are in your thirties. You're not dating for fun. You're dating for a purpose. If that's ultimately, if you ultimately want to get married, so just don't, I'm sorry. I said preach. Yeah. So just don't date someone because you're bored or because you want to have fun. Like, do not go on dates unless you know that this person checks the majority of your your non-negotiables. Um, and then also have fun. Just because we're older now doesn't mean we can't have fun. Like, I love going out on dates. I love. Yeah, I love going to new restaurants. I love getting dressed and wearing makeup. Um, have fun and. This part of your courtship, your dating, um, is all my married aunties and friends tell me that this is the best time of your time together. It just goes downhill after that. <laughs> so have fun with it. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> have fun with it. Yeah. Have fun. Um, travel together if you can. Have fun. Be open and be honest. And just enjoy each other's time together. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for uh, for in- indulging and listening to our crazy, crazy stories. Um, we are going to take a short break and we're going to get into our wild card, which is a continuation of our main topic from last week on uh, covert and overt racism. Welcome to the wild card section of the podcast today. So we're going to be closing out the section on systemic racism that we started last week. Um, as I said, in the last week, you know, so many people reached out to me, um, my Nigerian friends who grew up with me at school, just reminding me of painful memories, things we went through at school that I kind of forgot. So we're going to talk through some of those experiences. And then also I had, you know, really nice calls and texts and voice notes from my non-Black friends um, just reaching out and like, you know, sympathizing and also just, you know, sharing their anger, what's going on. And, you know, even one of my friends, he was out um, marching in Oxford. And yes, it's been really great engaging on these topics that we've suppressed for so long, like things we don't talk about, things that are taboo and you don't want to sound like you're complaining. So I'm really grateful for this COVID season where people have just slowed down. We all share this common human vulnerability right now and fear of getting sick and you know, people are really engaging. So it's been a great week talking about what happened um, with George Floyd, but also sharing personal experiences and all the amazing things people are doing worldwide to make sure um, there's change both in overt and covert racism. So I'm going to start off this section and then Shadi is going to share um, some perspectives from the US. So I'm both going to start with sharing some stories that people reminded me of. So um, I was at 
um, boarding school in Cheltenham um, from age uh, 14 to 18. So, you know, those kind of very formative years of your life. Um, and I loved it. Actually, I had, <laughs> Shade was such a great time. Like, it's, they're my happiest memories. You know, my bestest friends today, they're like my girlfriends who we lived in the same boarding houses for, you know, those four or five years. So those were amazing, wonderful times. Um, yet there were strange things going on that were just not okay for um, young women um, and teenagers and kids to be going through. So um, one story uh, that um, one of my friends reminded me of was the weird kind of double standard of um, trying to get into the top universities when we were at Cheltenham. So basically, I was told um, when we started our A-levels, um, I wanted to apply to Oxford. And the, the teachers made it like difficult for me. They were like, oh, we're not sure you should apply. And I was like, well, I'm definitely applying because I have really good grades. I had six A stars and four A's. And I was like, of course, I'm going to apply. Like, you know, and then they, you know, thank goodness for Nigerian parents. They, they quickly were like, OK, sure, you can apply. But then we had these mm -hmm. Oxbridge classes, which were to prepare you for the interviews. And there were two people in my year that were applying to Oxford to study the same subject, me um, and a British girl. And I remember these sessions that I would walk in and they literally like gave me no eye contact. Like all the questions were aimed at um, a British girl. Um, I remember she like drafted her essay and they would go through her essay and they would spend like 45 minutes on her and they'll spend like 10 minutes on my essay. I remember they even like helped her like draft like what she was going to say at the interviews and like I've never got that feedback and I guess at that age I didn't know how to advocate for myself or what to say um anyway long story yeah, it's hard to speak up it's hard to it's hard to speak up because you're not so I mean because they're still adults right yeah so I think yeah when you're when you're older um when you're when you're an adult you can actually see um clear case clear-cut cases of racism and you can as a child as well but it's like hard to speak up to people of authority um, when you're a child and you really don't know how to navigate those things um, as a young black uh, girl in a country that you you grew up in, but you know, it's not, you know, it's not your home country. Yeah, right? I think that's exactly um, what it was. Like I knew there was something funny, but I couldn't pinpoint it to something to do with my race. I just thought maybe they feel like either Relic already knows what she's doing, so we won't give her as much help or I don't know yeah. what it was, but I was mm -hmm. not wise enough to really understand um, so that was one memory. And, you know, my friend reminded me that for her and for another of our Nigerian friends, they'd also said the same, that you can't apply to Oxford. And they literally did not apply. Um, and can you imagine, like, at the age of 17, being told what you can or can't do in regards to something that really determined a lot about, you know, your early years of life, even your whole life, right? And, like, you know, like, just other stories, like... Um, subjects people wanted to apply to that they would have one set of rules for white girls and another set for black girls so the black girls you needed to have had like you know ridiculous number of grades and the white girls were allowed to apply anyhow and you know my friend herself she had amazing grades at GCSEs and she was told she couldn't apply to medicine so just very very funny wow. things yeah and you know now she's a doctor and she's amazing and she's kicking ass so it's mm -hmm. like what's wrong with you? Why are you trying to cut someone's ambition at such a young age? And you have no, you have no um, data to back yourself up while showing you amazing grades and you're telling us no. So, you know, that's just something that's just very funny um, that happened. 
And, you know, still on that theme, I was speaking to my cousin. She called me and we spoke for an hour yesterday and we haven't spoken in months. And she just kind of poured her heart out about, you know, she was at a top school in Ireland, um, Victoria College, and they did the same thing to her. They told her she went to see the careers office and she said I wanted to, she wanted to apply to Oxbridge. And they literally, the careers guy said, oh, the person in charge of applying to Oxbridge said, sorry, you cannot apply. Didn't even ask her grades, didn't know what her grades were, didn't know anything, just said, sorry, you can't apply. And I think that was the most shocking <laughs> thing I heard. And it's and it's so crazy because this this particular uh, cousin um, is so like classy, and like she is like the epitome of like class. It's actually her sister. It's the same. Like, it's the same same sort of person. No, I'm talking about the cousin. I'm talking about um, oh. Oh, okay, okay. So you know the cousin I'm talking about. Sorry, sorry. Well, it's her older yeah, sister. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they both, they both, they, they both definitely are. But this person in particular is, she's so classy and so prim and proper. So I'm like, if they're saying this to her, what about all like the last thing? Thank that you. Come- <laughs> you. <laughs> After her, like if they're saying this to someone uh, who's so well put together, yeah, so like just like proper like woman, like in really how she carries herself, how she talks, yeah, um, very smart. I'm like, if they're saying that to her, what are they saying? <laughs> exactly yep it's so funny it's so awful and I think that's really where I'm kind of going with this theme of there's this weird kind of um inferiority complex that happens with you know um white people who are used to seeing other white people like them succeeding and when they see a black person succeeding or a black person who's better or smarter or richer from a better background they don't like it too they don't like it they're angry and they don't want you to go to where their own son is going (laughs) absolutely even if even if we assimilate like you've told us to right so we speak english in the way that you do we do your activities you we assimilate as how you want right we follow the manuscript and you still reject yeah yeah so it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy but you know whatever all these we're all thriving and happy but it's just very sad that, you know, at that age, people would treat you like that. Um, and yeah, so I had another final story about school um, before I hand over to Shadi to share some of her own thoughts. One story that really shocked me was um, we used to have prayers every morning. It shocked me because I forgot. And then hearing it again, I was like, damn, <laughs> how did I forget this? <laughs> so every morning we would all meet the whole school in the assembly hall and, you know, have prayers every morning and that was led by the school chaplain and one morning the chaplain uh he made some speech about how um black people um um are you know they're descended from slaves and in the bible it condones slavery (laughs) and um therefore nobody should be upset so much about slavery because it's in the Bible and then likened how black people are treated <laughs> to how gay people are treated. It was like this convoluted, like a semi- oh, Wow. Yeah. And my friends and I, we were so mad. And you know what? We were like very confident young women. We were like, you know, a group of girls. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like we were only friends with each other. We were also friends with, you know, the girls from Hong Kong and the British girls and the girls from around the world, you know, but you know, as a group of Nigerian girls, we were very proud. We, you know, we knew where we came from, we knew ourselves. So we marched into his office afterwards and we were like, um, Chaplain, 
um, were really offended by what you said. What, what, what do you mean that the Bible says that slavery is okay? That the Bible does not say that slavery is okay. And the Bible never, ever, never, ever, ever says that slavery is black people because the, as in, should be in this time, I'm not a scholar on this, but you know, is Israelites and all this stuff. So they were there were very few black people. In the Bible. Right? So, so just most so of weird. the slavery was white people. As right? in, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, why is the chaplain saying stuff like this? It was very very odd. Um, I went to see him, and you know, instead of him being humble and you know feeling bad or trying to make these young black women feel a bit better, he said he basically just responded like dead dead straight like no no yeah the bible does say you know that slavery is acceptable and you know like it's black people I, I can't remember what he said but he basically wouldn't retract anything that he said and like fence us off like just you know like you guys should you know consider consider what that means uh just like oh my god just n- nonsense just nonsense so anyways i kind of have two views here which is that you know people in positions of power can be bullies and you know we had some awful house mistresses who bullied us and like weren't very nice to us and uh then there also there's that thing going on and then that's like in a position of privilege so you're questioning what happens to black people who don't have the same privilege and like it must be it must be so much worse and it's just like it's just crazy to reflect on that um so shadi i'm gonna hand over to you um and i'd love to hear about um you know, how you feel about um, this in the U.S., whether there are any parallels, whether it's totally different. So, yes. So growing up as a Black person in the U.S., I've had uh, kind of a, a weird experience or a different experience, because even though I am Black, right, I have brown skin, I'm not African-American. So my view of race is, and racism or just... Um, things like that are different from maybe a typical African American. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I grew up in a very yeah, I grew up in a, a very Nigerian household in the US. Um so I, you know, had to re- learn a lot of things about um, African American history and culture and things like that as uh, a, an adult because I didn't really have that family background because to tell me that because we grew up on like Nigerian history and Nigerian um like culture. Okay. Um one of the things I will say is that um I'm very proud to be a Black person in the U.S., um, whether I'm a Nigerian. I, I view myself as a Black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find, um, I found, I find uh, kind of similarities between myself and other Black women, whether they be African-American or Caribbean or other type of African. If, you know, Black women to me are Black women. Um, so I think that's one of the great th- the things I'm very grateful for um, about growing up in the U.S. And then also um, I... Before we started recording, I told Walake um, how I'm so grateful of the things that Black people have done in this country to advance Black people worldwide. So I remember um, when I was in my teens, um, I would go to the UK uh, to see to stay with us, a family, some family members over over the summers. And I, I never forget this one moment. Um, I was in a bus uh, with it was a friend or a cousin, but we were. So we were talking loudly on the bus, um, and I guess the uh, the gentleman, uh, the older black man, could hear our accent. So he turns back, um, and he asks us um, if we're from America, and we say yes. And we thought he was going to yell, yell at us for being loud. <laughs> um, but he actually said that um, one of the things that he regrets um, or is kind of 
um, sad about in the U.S. is that in the U.K. I'm sorry is that they don't have a strong black um, network as we do in the U.S. So he talked about um, you know in the U.K. whenever a black person is you know killed or discriminated against um, by the police that you know there's just some chatters here and there and there's really no nat- national action. But he talks about having the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks about how the NAACP or how like, you know, we have civil rights leaders yeah. like Jesse Jackson, Jesse yeah. Jackson and Al Sharpton and how these people, um, even if the media at large doesn't want to talk about it, they will keep it in people's faces. Um, and yeah. and it wasn't the same in the UK. So that really, and I was, I think maybe 15 or 16 um, when he told me that. And it always stuck with me. And it's always something that I've been grateful mm. for about living in the US because black people in the US have literally suffered um, for the mm. for the benefit of black people worldwide. Um, mm. And one of the things that I um, yeah. Just, yeah, just quickly um, is the I think one of the things I'm um, just not living in the UK, but traveling to the UK and having a lot of friends and family from there. I think one of the differences um, versus the UK and the US is that we have really big black notable um, celebrities um, and politicians that really further the black cause. Um, so just, you know, off, the, off my head, we have people like Oprah or Jay-Z, Michael Jackson, people are kind of universally uh, loved worldwide. And um, I, I, don't, I don't see MLK as just a black civil rights leader. I see him as an American treasure. I see him like high CJFK. Um, and there's mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. other places in the US or in the world that kind of have that. Um, have black national um, uh, treasures like an MLK or an Oprah. Yeah, I so agree with that. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree so much. I feel, so I just wanted to talk about MLK. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's like a black leader that's actually, he's a national leader. He's an American um, leader. I think it's, yeah, we don't have that history or that sort of person yet in the UK. But I would say that, you know, through pop culture and music and actors, like we have John Boyega, we have Stormzy, we have, Absolutely. you know, we have tons of people like on and academics and, you know, Afua Hirsch and writer Zadie Smith and, you know, all these fiction writers. We do have kind of, you know, from the academic angle, more and more black people and from the music and celebrity yeah. angle. But we really are behind mm-hmm. on having that sort of like national respected person non, like non-celebrity like non-celebrity yes, right? so other people you. yeah and we can be cool like you yeah <laughs> you know more than we respect you yeah yeah, yeah. so I, just, I also to close I just want to shout out some of my politicians um who really made it possible just a, a list of politicians who really um, been at the national front for, for uh forefront and made it possible for black people in this country to live a better life and also just worldwide so just a few um to name so, so people can look these guys absolutely. up yeah so people who may not familiar with um black civil rights leaders or politicians who maybe not in the u.s listening so first one on my list is um thurgood marshall so thurgood marshall is the first black supreme court justice and um he's actually also um the airport in in baltimore uh, maryland is actually also named after him um, so just oh, some, cool. yeah, some recent um, politicians. We have Cory Booker, who is a senator from New Jersey um, and uh, ran for president uh, <laughs> in this past presidential uh, round. We have Kamala Harris, who's a senator from California, who also ran uh, for president. We have Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, 
are shut. And like I said, um, and we had some civil rights leaders who've transitioned from civil rights leaders to uh, politicians. And the three that I um, have are Jim Clyburn, John Lewis, um, and Elijah Cummins, who just recently passed away in 2019. Um, and then uh, notable Keith Ellison is a black um, attorney general who is actually the attorney general for Minnesota who's overseeing the George Floyd um, trial. So it, that's also huge because um, the governor of Minnesota actually appointed him to oversee it and didn't want any of the local prosecutors uh, overseeing uh, the case. And then obviously, last but not least, we have our first Black president, Mr. Barack Ooh-hoo. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Barack Ooh-hoo. Obama. <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> so uh, those are just some people that um, if you want to just do some research into it or just uh, some food for thought. Um, so as a as an African living and growing up in the U.S., I'm so grateful for the struggles um, and for the pain and sacrifice that African Americans have um, made. Um, plus, my um, puppy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, preach. I think that was so helpful to hear. Um, I know a handful of those names and not all of them. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. Yeah. So I think before we go into our closing thoughts, um, to bring it back down again to kind of, you know, the personal experiences. So um, continuing on from our thoughts of what we've experienced, you know, at school and at college, um, how we kind of felt reflecting on this was, you know, there's majority of people who, you know, are woke and are good, kind, decent people. And then there's kind of like this small number of people who really don't get it and are still kind of not awake and not really recognizing racism and seeing it as it is. And then there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, cool people, they're friends, but they're also like, you know, not really understanding how deep racism goes. So, you know, just my experiences at school and hearing these experiences echoed back at me from, you know, even non-Black friends. I had an Indian friend, um, British Indian friend of mine who I was speaking to this week, and he was just reflecting on how he feels that he lost so much of his culture wow. um, growing up. In, yeah, growing up in boarding school in England. And he was like, you know, if you spoke to me on the phone, you would just think I was British from my accent. He <laughs> <laughs> It was like, if you saw me and you didn't see my skin color from what I was wearing, you would think I was British. And wow. he was like, he, yeah, he was like, I never had any overt attacks of racism at school, um, at bo- the boarding schools he went to. But he said there was definitely this pressure to just fit in. Don't be too mm. different. And his Indian side and, you know, his parents moved to the UK when he was like four years old. So he was like, he feels like kind of sad about it because they've been like, very they've tried very hard to maintain their Indian culture and he's kind of throwing it all away (laughs) um and and he was like I want to learn more I want to reconnect and I think this is a pretty common feeling for a lot of um uh yeah more people who've come from other cultures and settled like in the UK or maybe not so much the US because I think that's one reason why I I really did love living in New York I felt like the fullest expression of myself. I felt I could be whoever I wanted to be and there wasn't external pressure to be one way or the other. Whereas in England, it's kind of encouraged just, you know, be as vanilla as everyone else. Um, I don't mean that <laughs> such a terrible sound. Like, don't be too loud. Don't be too African. Don't be too Chinese. Don't be, just be, you know, as, as similar to one another as possible. 
Um, so that's not quite racism, but it's definitely something that's preventing people from being our full selves. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to also share one last point before we move into the closing thoughts on healing, which was that it's pretty sad to see that in boarding schools that um, we've been to and our friends have been to, things haven't changed. So for example, like my mom was a boarding school in England and she feels like she was not encouraged to go to um, not even just the best universities, but any university. So my mom came back to Nigeria for university. Um, and my dad, he also came back to Nigeria, although for different reasons. But um, if he had truly felt a home in the UK, I'm sure he would have stayed after he finished um, university there. And then even, you know, my grandparents, totally different world. Like my granddad on my mom's side was a doctor in England in the 1940s. And so the racism he would have faced would have been like <laughs> something we can't even talk about Absolutely. as race, like do not have fiction the way we and talk about racism thing is, is so and the sad thing was it was, <laughs> it was probably much better than what black people in the u.s were dealing with in the 40s <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and i know like it was in england at that time it was the time of no dogs no black yeah no yeah, dogs was, was, dog no dogs no indians and blacks right they were even saying indians Thanks, or Irish or something. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then my granddad on my father's side, he went to England to um, University of London, studied to be a lawyer in the 50s. And, you know, and yeah, and he, but, you know, like their parents would send them to the UK and like their parents, you know, came from privilege. Yes, you could afford to go to the UK at this time. So yes, they were privileged, but their parents would give them just enough money to like, you know, live and eat and pay for school and not like splash out. So Mm -hmm. my grandfather, my that side he was also learning violin at the time he was a very talented musician and he broke his violin in London and he was like he was too poor to afford another violin Mm. and you know he just had to focus on being a lawyer and you know like he ended up being in the first government in Nigeria he was the first minister of the interior minister of health so you know he he had a a wonderful life and my grandfather on my mom's side he also had an extremely successful life but it's just weird how through the generations these things have been going on and it's like it has to stop here. It has to stop here. I and hope so, yeah. you know, my yeah, my mom's grandfather, he was part of the Nigerian delegation that went to England in nineteen fifty three for the Queen's coronation. Wow. It's pictures of him. Yeah. Yet he was also he was a founder of the Nigerian House of Reps and they were also part of something called the NCNC. And they were fighting for secession of Nigeria to become independent. So when they were in England, they actually were saying, were arguing that, look, it's time for Nigeria to be independent. So, you know, this is, this is history. This is where we come from. We come from a very proud Nigerian people. We want to self-govern. We know, you know, we're as skilled, we're as brilliant as anyone else. And, but so it just, it just pains me that in this time, you would now have people like us being sent to school in England and our parents are paying stupid amounts of money and then a teacher is telling you that you're like a slave in the bible yeah. or a teacher is telling you you can't go to oxford you know <laughs> it's, it's very annoying and when even, my grandmother your father's side was the first she was the first nigerian woman to go to um exeter and she got she was the first nigerian woman to get a first in her yx which is the like gcse equivalent so sorry i'm very i'm very passionate by this i do get annoyed by it and it's just like things have to change yeah. like we we know who we we can't be in another country and be suppressed and the vast majority of people get it but those who don't get it 
that needs to be changed. Yeah, and even if, you know, your family has had a storied history, very long history um, in England, and, you know, you saying all these things, uh, you guys sending your kids there, what you're doing is you're taking money out of Nigeria and then investing it in someone's yeah. country, uh, and they're still treating yeah. you like crap. So <laughs> it's like, not, not only, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's uh, Nigeria, Africa, India, all of these other countries have had such Hong Kong, Hong Kong China, long histories in the UK in long particular, and have invested. Yeah, have invested. Yes. So, if I just look at the British uh, British banking system, probably I, I can even say comfortably half of that money that's in there is not even from British people. <laughs> so, I'm telling you, yeah. So I can say yeah. comfortably, and they still. So I, it's it's crazy. It's um, that's another, yeah. another topic for another day. But yeah, it's we're investing. And we did say we're going to do a specific yeah. session just yeah. on racism. Yeah. So we can air everything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But Shadi, would you like to share your closing thoughts first? Yeah. So I just uh have um, just for closing thoughts. Um, so this is. Uh, this reminds me of um, the Me Too era of two to three years ago. Um, this is Black people's Me Too, uh, Me Too time, right? Our Me Too moment. So as we listened to women's stories um, two years ago um, and listened and didn't judge and didn't, you know, have um, different viewpoints, we should do the same thing for Black people. If we're able to do it for, for women, um, and it's like mm. once you kind of turn on the, the the faucet and you have kind of like an avalanche of stories coming in, it's because mm -hmm. we're now free to say it. It's not yes, maybe some of the stories mm. are some stories are exaggerated or made up, but the majority of the stories are true stories because but we've been too scared to say yep. this. Um, and now that yep. we have the courage to say this, I would just say for the white allies and for the non-black um, allies, just listen to our stories and know that they come from a genuine mm -hmm. place. And they come from a place mm. of like hurt and built up tension and anger for the past mm. <laughs> 401 years. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, so just, just uh, listen and open your ears and your eyes. Um, and to be honest, stand in the back of the lines for those non-Black people of color and for the white allies. We don't need you to be the face of our movement. Stand in the back. Be there with do. us. Be there with us yes, as we're marching. With us. Speak with us, but be in the back. Um, <laughs> you're not the face of the movement, but we're, we're, gla we're, we're glad to have you well, here, and we need your numbers. So thank you. Well thank you, Wack yes, Allies, well for st standing with us um, and being with us, but you need to let us handle this. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Shadi. Yeah. So my closing thoughts, you know, my closing thoughts for um, people listening who maybe have a little bit of offense as they're hearing these things is question why, why are you a little bit offended? Why don't you feel as comfortable talking about race as you would about feminism or classism or um, gender, sorry, not gender, I mean homosexuality? Question yourself. And, you know, if, you've, if you haven't ever listened to the perspective from a black person or watched a movie um, you know on these issues or you know, question yourself question why you don't want to see it from someone else's point of view and then things for practical change you know so grateful that people are marching and white people are here as allies but let's have some practical change you know wherever you work make sure that when you're hiring people you're um, being fair in the salaries you give to black people 
against anybody else. Um, set targets for promoting a certain percentage of black people to leadership in your company. And don't just do, do it. And just training. don't do it because you feel like yes. you need to have a quota. There are as many yeah. qualified black people as there are white people. Oh, hell so yeah. Don't just put yeah, people, I just felt yeah. I didn't even be saying, but yes, absolutely. So do your anti-bias training so you can see more clearly and uncover the people who are good enough, you know, <laughs> that are black and that are Indian, that are Chinese or you know, what a, a other minority and start mentoring programs yes. to pull these people up. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, this is the same for schools. I don't want to hear from my kids when they're in school that they're not being encouraged to apply to Oxford or even by then I'll probably send my children that they should just go to America because America <laughs> is giving them positive discrimination. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm like, we cannot put up with this again. We can't. Um, and then my last thought is for us um, as black people, just to keep owning the spaces that we're in. And especially when people say that we can't be in those spaces, we have to own them all the more. So the same thing our parents told us, you have to be twice as good, you know, all these things to be, you know, half as recognized, keep, keep being excellent. And, you know, the most important part I want to add is just love yourself and own yourself, own everything you are. Um, and yeah, be, be willing to, to take up that space. That's it for me. That is perfect. All right, guys. So thank you for joining our third episode. Um, thank you for all the support. Please keep sharing with your friends. Yes. Um, we, yeah, we look forward to talking to you next time. Yes, we do. Thank you for all your um, support. Until <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> next time. Oh, God. That was good.